Welcome to Sydney Property Insider, giving you news and insights on the Sydney property market. Your hosts are Michelle May, a professional buyer's agent and owner of her independent buyer's agency, and Marcus Roberts, a member of Property Investment Professionals of Australia and owner of leading mortgage broker firm, Brighter Finance. Good morning and welcome to another brand new episode of the Sydney Property Insider podcast. You are fortnightly, monthly, whenever we get a chance to upload them <laughs> onto uh, onto Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts, uh, podcasts about all things Sydney property related. Michelle, how are we doing this fine February morning? Very well. How are you? I'm just living the dream day by day, <laughs> day by Excellent. day and week by week. That's so, good to hear. So, Michelle, we did one of these late last year as a state of the market and we thought it was a good opportunity now that we're into February, into 2020, to talk through some of the real changes or some of the the trends that we're both seeing Mm -hmm. in the market, given that, you know, we've still got very low interest rate environment. We've got a lot of homeowners entering the picture. We've got banks actively fighting for business and and really a rising market. So Mm. what have you found this first sort of month or two of uh, 2020? From a buyer's agent's perspective, I haven't stopped running, really. Inquiries have been incredibly high from that first week of January. I had intended to take a bit of time off into January because it's typically the the slow period of the year, but I haven't had a day off since the 6th of Jan. Um, And what I'm seeing is when I'm looking at inspections and auctions, there's very high attendance, uh, people queuing out the door to inspect property. So people are out en masse. Absolutely. It certainly seems that way from – I don't Mm. attend inspections as you do, but um, even – Anecdotally, it certainly seems that way when you're driving on a Saturday morning and you see mm. lines of people outside a, yes. outside an open house and reading either LinkedIn updates or similar from various real estate agents talking about 40 to 50 people rolling through. Yep. And then at auction time, having a number of registered bidders rather than, say, three to five, you yep. might have double digits, you might have just yep. under. So Absolutely. It definitely seems like we're in, in a hot market. Um, yes. just anecdotally and the numbers certainly back that up as well. Yeah, and, and one thing that you can look at, for example, is the domain clearance rates that come through every Saturday afternoon. So since the beginning of the year, they've been 80 or more percent. So that's definitely a seller's market. Um, still seeing low stock levels, much like last year, because it does take time for vendors to catch on that actually it is a good time to sell and it takes time to prep your property, find the right agents, you know, all that kind of stuff. So agents are telling me that you know stock levels are still lower than the usual from previous mm. years and I'm certainly still seeing a lack of choice for the buyers out there so then you know you get that that lack of supply which you know when the demand is still out there the prices are rising so and you certainly see people um, attending auctions and maybe paying more than they would have expected to pay or mm. pay more than they were prepared to pay simply because there is that lack of stock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, anecdotally, for what I'm hearing from selling agents is that people are, the buyers out there are throwing offers at them. They're very reluctant to take them because from a selling agent's perspective, they're only going to make one person happy. You know, in that private treaty scenario, a lot of people get upset because um, they feel that they haven't been given a fair chance. And so more and more agents are saying, no, I'm not taking any office prior. I'll see you at auction. Yeah. Um, Especially when you've got an auction campaign that's just started and your first first open house is – 
uh, was just over the weekend and you've mm. got three offers already, knowing that you're in a rising market, you could take that further uh, three further weeks until auction, you might see further uplift and you'll get people in a, in a bidding war against each other. So Absolutely. you can certainly understand from real estate agents' minds why they – are not looking at taking offers prior to auction in this in this type mm. of market that we're in. Yeah, and also for, for, just from my perspective, I don't understand how people can be in a position to make an offer on a Saturday afternoon when they've had absolutely no time to have had the contract reviewed, to look at the building and pest or the strata report. You know, the, I think the worry for me is that people lose their heads, like much like they did in 2017, and they don't, all due diligence gets thrown out of the window. Yeah. Um, and when you're thinking of dropping a million or more on a property, I would recommend you you just take a breath and do that kind of stuff first because, you know, you sh- should have the time to do that and, yeah. and think about that thoroughly. Certainly. And I can certainly understand why um, if you've been attending auctions or attending open houses, and auctions over the past, say, two or three months, and you go to the next one, you, you believe that because you've done due diligence on various other properties, you sort of get an idea of what the pros and cons are of the place that you're currently inspecting. And because you see 40 other people at the same open house, I can understand why some people would go, you know what, let's just make an offer and get through this so we don't have to keep going out here week after week mm. after week. And also maybe we'll get lucky and we won't have to take this to a bidding war at auction. But to your point, Michelle, certainly it does feel that people aren't taking that time to review the contract, to get building and pest inspections done, to have a second look at the place, mm. warts and all, rather yeah. than just highlight on the, great, it's been styled pretty, I can see having a barbecue outside on a, on a summer Saturday, this is great, we'll take it. Mm. Um, so if you are out there in your search, and we know it's we know it is difficult because you are competing against so many people with so little stock, but really make sure that you just pause and reflect for a second before mm-hmm. saying, yes, we'd like to make an offer on it because mm. um, you can only do well by yourself if you've had a chance to to properly investigate everything to do with the property you're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Now, if we're looking at the numbers just on the on basis of looking at the year's previous, um, CoreLogic RP Data recently published a report looking at the uh, hedonic home value index and what they're seeing is that, you know, the housing um, value rebound continues well into 2020 uh, with um, the index up 0.9% over the first month of the year. And that now takes the annual growth rate up to 4.1%, and which is it's the fastest pace of growth for the 12-month period since December 2017. So wow. what yeah. you and I are seeing out there in the market is certainly reflected in the numbers. Now, Sydney uh, values still need to recover a further 5.4% before posting a full recovery from that peak in 2017. But having said that, you know, and I've mentioned this before, that Sydney is lots of little micro markets. And certainly in the inner west and eastern suburbs, certain suburbs have already gone well beyond the 2017 values again. Yeah. And, and that's, again, because of that lack of supply and that underlying demand that is always there. Um, so, yes, um, we're certainly seeing a very, very quick recovery, and that's across most of the capital cities, you know, uh, also Melbourne, uh, Brisbane, Adelaide, uh, and the other cities um, that had a decline. They're now well on their way to recovery. 
one of the things, if I could just jump in for a mm. second, um, that I've noticed as well is um, from a lending perspective, there's two different points I'd like to raise. The first is um, pre-approvals that we always say to go sort out a pre-approval prior to putting in a, an offer just to make sure that you are pre-approved to a certain amount, even if it is conditional upon valuation or if it's conditional upon a, a couple of other final factors for the lender, just so you are sure that you can borrow what you need to mm. get the place at the price that you negotiate it for. And what we're finding is that more and more lenders seem to be backing out of that space. So they right. have said, we're happy to take new business, but not pre-approvals. So we will do a purchase if you have a contract of sale that's signed yeah. and we're happy to assist with that loan, but we will not do approvals in principle or pre-approvals for the foreseeable future and we will relook at that in three months' time or six months' time. So the number of lenders out there that are taking that type of business is actually reducing, yeah. which has a carry-on effect to the lenders that do provide pre-approvals, having service level times or times to approve deals yeah. blowing out. So I've had wow. some stories of, I haven't had one myself go to this level, but I have heard stories from other um, mortgage brokers that one of the big four has gone up to just under a 30-day period for an approval. Wow. So if you think through a 42-day settlement yes. and you're purchasing something and you purchased over the weekend yeah. to get everything in 12 days post that approval. That's crazy. Is pretty stressful. Yeah. It's a pretty tight timeline. So, so how are buyers supposed to know and understand what a what they can borrow and then get ready in time? Because it, it leaves all the exposure on the buyer. Yeah. Ultimately, that's where I think speaking to a mortgage broker or speaking to your bank, understanding, you know, what the reality of, of the current market is mm. and what the reality of their um, lead times are is mm. really important yeah. because otherwise you could get in that situation or mm. you could go as I have had from time to time where people call me on a Monday after they've purchased something over the weekend and oh. you have uh, a six-week period that can be the most stressful period of your life when you really should be enjoying the fact that you don't have to go next Saturday <laughs> to see another 18 houses. Yes. So um, I do think that, you know, if you were out there and if you're looking in the market and if you're looking to purchase, please make sure that you've got a pre-approval in place, at least have had a conversation with your mortgage broker or your, your lender to ensure that they could meet a settlement date in six weeks' time yeah. prior to making an offer. Yeah, at absolutely. the very least, because as I say, more banks are getting out of that pre-approval space because rather than hire new staff, they're simply saying, "Oh, we'll just blow out lead times a bit further." Yeah, and of course, everyone has the same time frame. So, if you're a client of a broker in in Perth or in Adelaide or in Darwin, Victoria, in Queensland, you go in the same queue and the same system that the broker in Sydney does. Yeah, so. No one is really able to be prioritized because everyone is on that same six-week journey. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so when we're looking towards the rest of 2020, uh, one of the things to also be mindful of is how the uh, property market is very closely linked to the seasonal calendar. And with that, I mean, for example, um, Easter 
coming up, school holidays coming up in April, and then going into winter. So what we are looking at is possibly um, this coming March, there'll be more properties coming on running until the end of March for an auction mm. campaign. Yep. But then what I'm hearing from a lot of selling agencies, they prefer not to have a new property come on the market end of March because that'll hit uh, the no, school, holidays school holidays and, 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 and um, Easter time Easter. And, and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, it starts to tailor off again into June, July, August when traditionally because of the winter period, there are less properties on the market anyway. So actually that leaves quite a small window for if you are in the market to buy now um, to sort of make the most of what's out there. So uh, make sure, yeah, like Marcus said, make sure you're pre-approved and then and then hit the markets uh, and the opens hard and, and mm. talk to all the agents out there. Now, Tim Lawless of CoreLogic, his prediction is um, saying that looking ahead, interest rates are expected to see further reductions which along with consistently strong population growth is likely to continue to support housing demand. So a big test for the market will be advertised supply levels because advertised listing numbers remain below average through most of 2019 and we're expecting the number of homes available for sale to also rise in 2020, which may result in a wider range of choice. But again, that will be seasonal. So um, just be mindful of that, that if you are looking to purchase, you're going to have to compete against a lot of other buyers out there. One of the other things that goes hand in hand with the, with I guess some of the demand that we've seen is the, the December 2019 statistics on new loan commitments shows that we had a month percent change. We're talking about a month percent change of 5.1% for investors and 4.4% for owner-occupiers. So the amount of new lending month-on-month month yeah. was 5% higher than it wow. was in November 2019. Gosh. So if you had $100 million that was available across Sydney, $105 million was taken out in um, Sydney the, the very next month. So that, if you think through, as prices rise, mm. most buyers will need loans. Mm. And therefore, those loan sizes will increase as well. Yeah, which means that people, if you are looking at, um, if you are looking at purchasing again, and you need debt as an avenue to help fund the purchase, make sure that you can meet the commitments of a higher loan value rather than what you may have originally thought six months ago. Because if you were borrowing eight hundred thousand as compared to 600000 it's a completely different ballgame in terms of what your monthly repayments will be, mm. especially when we're in very low interest rate period. Make sure, as a good broker should do, that you can afford your loan if rates were to move against you by 15 to 2.5%. Yeah. So whenever I, I do, for myself, whenever I do – applications whenever I speak to people about what their repayments are going to be. I, I give them what the, the actual is. But then also I think it's really important to say, okay, if rates were at 5%, yeah. this is what your monthly repayment would be. And can you make those repayments if rates move against you? Because you're taking out a loan for 30 years, mm. it's doubtful that we will still see this low an interest rate period in five years' time yep. or in 10 years' time. And there will be a point where we have hit the bottom. And, and certainly to Tim Lawless's point, it doesn't sound like we have hit that yet. But in the medium to longer term, make sure that you can afford those repayments because I know how, how tempting it can be to just get a 
bigger loan so you can get the place that you want, but make sure that you can afford those repayments, I think, is really key in a a rising market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, use your head because otherwise you'll be eating baked beans for a very long time. Which is not, it's not, right. <laughs> it's not worth yeah. it. All right, those, now. those cans stretch out for a, <laughs> for a sort of a six-month period if yeah. you can do it right. Now, in other good news, <laughs> the national rents were actually up half a percent in January, taking the annual change in rental rates to 1.3%. The rental growth generally remains weak across most markets. However, the recent trend has been upwards, a subtle rise in rental appreciation. The improvements in rental rates can be attributed to a tightening in rental supply. Housing finance data shows that investor participation in the housing market is near record lows and new supply additions are tapering. So mm-hmm. with housing values rising more rapidly than rental rates, you know, the gross rental yields are compressing. So the, you've got to be in it for the long run when it comes to investing in properties, uh, certainly in Sydney at the moment. The gross rental yields in Sydney where housing values have surged higher against the backdrop of falling rents remain at record lows, tracking at just 3% in January. Mm. This is according again to uh, CoreLogic's February uh, report. So, And that's certainly what we are seeing um, when we're out there looking for our investors that you know the, the yields are low. However, you know, they have recovered a little bit because obviously in the last couple of years there was a lot of new supply looking at the inner west in particular, um, which was diluting that that rental demand because people were going for the shiny new bright apartments as opposed to the less sexy older stock. Yeah. Out of um, curiosity, are you finding that you have more inquiries for homeowners or investors at present? Actually, I have found that the investor inquiry has come up really um, okay. yeah um because that's the inverse of what mine has been mine is yeah it's pretty much i think at the moment it's about a 75 25 or yeah. an 80 20 split yeah. of uh, either first home buyers or, or people looking at mm. purchasing what happened actually was uh, you know when uh last year obviously there was talk of labor getting rid of the negative gearing and things like that investor inquiry just died completely yes and i was working solely with owner occupiers but since you know we had the elections and everything settled down investor demand has increased uh, mm. significantly since then but what i'm finding is that you know the areas that i work in in the inner west and the eastern suburbs that you know i do have to you know, educate, I guess, the investors out there on on what is achievable when it comes to rental yields because, yeah, they haven't been that great in the inner west in particular. Mm. Any other points for the time being for our February 2020 Um, state of the market? (laughs) Don't lose your head. Do your due diligence. Um, Don't put an offer the first uh, after three minutes of being in the place the f- yes. for the first time. Yes, please don't. Yep. Um, and if you you know use expert advice, you know go out there and reach out to your bank, your broker, your buyer's agent, uh, your conveyancer, your solicitor, and and listen very carefully to what they are saying because this is probably the biggest purchase you'll ever make. And like I've said before, do more research in finding out what which car they're going to buy next and. The and their next purchase. So Which purchase. always seem, sounds crazy mm. right? when you think through the mm. um, the size of investment that you're making. Yeah. Even if you're living in it, it your home is, is still ultimately an investment down yeah. the track. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Make sure that you speak with the right people. Make sure that you ask the right questions um, and make sure that you, you're well and truly informed of, um, of everything you possibly can be prior to making that mm. offer. 
Yeah, and on the other side of the coin, if you're thinking of selling, for those sellers out there, those vendors out there, make sure you do your due diligence when it comes to choosing the right agent. You know, um, don't necessarily get... um, enamored by those agents that talk about the highest selling price, you know, ask them about their their campaign. What are they planning on doing to market your property? Do they use social media? You know, ask them to back up that sales price with with recent comparable sales that makes sense, you know, in terms of land size and aspect and streets and and all that kind of stuff. Um, Consider, you know, um, using a stylist, for example, to present your property in the best light and 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 take your time and and don't rush into it but do take into consideration those school holidays and easter time so that you you get the advice from your uh, selling agent to the right time to to put your property on the market great well mm-hmm. I, I think that that's um that's certainly a good analysis for the the past three months and and hopefully Listeners have found that very useful. If you have any questions for Michelle or myself or anything that you'd like to hear about on the show, please send us an email at ask at sydneypropertyinsider.com.au. That's ASK at sydneypropertyinsider.com.au. And we will be with you same time, same place in uh, a week or two's time. Thanks for listening. Please note that any views or opinions presented in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent those of any business. These views and opinions are general in nature and do not take into account your personal objectives, financial situation and needs. Please consider whether it applies in your circumstance and seek professional advice where appropriate.